Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. I am your host, Byron Pace. It is the 17th of April, 2020. This is a new series, Behind the Lens. We'll periodically be dropping these. At the moment, I'm not quite sure how often, but it's a concept I was eager to explore after a few conversations with friend and incredibly talented photographer, Tito West, who you're actually going to be hearing from in this show. This episode will serve as an introduction, and as we venture to the middle of the show, we will get to the core of what I want these to be about. Take an image, a film, a piece of writing, and speak to the creative about what it took to capture that moment and tell that story. I think it will provide an honest, reflective discussion and present these works in a new light. So without holding you up any further, the first episode of Behind the Lens, I am joined by Tyler Sharp and Tito West. Gentlemen, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. It's going to be a short one today because we're going to talk about one thing very specifically the, and a very exciting announcement from Modern Huntsman today or, or yesterday as this podcast goes out, which was the launch of a fine art print shop. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to dig into the details of uh, the, actually curating that with Tito, who's been the mastermind behind it. But Tyler, first of all, why why now and what are you hoping to showcase with this print shop sure thanks for the great intro byron (laughs) (laughs) um you know i think that we probably discussed this before that from the beginning we've always seen modern huntsman as beyond a publication right there's a lot of opportunities you know we've toyed with the filmmaking you know and been able to work with with you on some of that and some of the panel discussions, but we really wanted to extend this into more of a fine art realm. And we've always wanted to do collaborations with artists and, um, and ways to just kind of have different avenues to, to showcase this amazing work. And personally, I've been wanting to do a print shop on my own, my personal website for probably six years. And for whatever reason, I could never do it. Probably because you had a million other things on your plate. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, this is something that we've always wanted to do. And, you know, we've kicked the idea around. And I feel like I mentioned it to Tito, you know, in the last two years. And it just so happened that we were all together in Dallas for Dallas Safari Club. And it was just right time, right place. And, you know, I think that we all had kind of some synergy and, and started to move the idea forward. Uh, and then, of course, with this uh, global slowdown of travel and work, it kind of forced us all into a situation to, to take action on it. And so, yeah, it just it's a silver lining of, of the current situation, but, but we're really excited. And I think that, you know, Tito and I just we have such a similar background, um, you know, not only with growing up in Texas, but also with a lot of the same safari work and photography and film that he really understands, you know, what what I wanted to do with this. And so it made it pretty seamless. And uh I was funny because we talked a lot about the process and then it took me, uh, finally he sent me the link for it and I went and looked at it and was just completely blown away. It just looks so incredible. He did such an amazing job and it's really exciting to finally have this live. Uh, the nerves are gone and now we can start to think about 
all of the amazing things and collaborations and curation of artists and, and special editions and all that. So yeah, glad, glad to have it out in the world. And this, this isn't just people who have contributed to Modern Huntsman, is it? No, I think that we, that, and I'll, I'm going to, I don't want to take too much away from Tito there, but I think that that's part of what we wanted to do is yes, it, the print shop can be an extension of people we've worked with, but it's also a way to showcase people that we feel like just deserve more attention. And hopefully that leads into more working relationships down the road. Hmm. Uh, Tito, when you're putting together something like this, it's not just about picking pretty pictures. This is also about story storytelling through images. Talk me through that process because you've been sent a lot of images from selected photographers, and then you went through and curated those. I, I, I know that just based on the images that I sent you. What was your th- thought process while you're trying to work out what do you showcase on the print shop now? Well, I mean, look, it's there's no formula for how you do this, and photo editing is something that um, some people are very good at and others struggle with. I mean, I know as a photographer, we're you know, speaking on behalf of most photographers, we're not traditionally known as good photo editors. Um, For some reason, it seems to not work, you know, both ways. If you're a good photographer, usually you you struggle to pick um, good images. And it's something that, uh, you know, I think it just takes a long time to, to learn. And you have to look at a lot of photographs before you know what a good one is and what a bad one is. And, um, I'm by no means, you know, proclaiming myself as a good photo editor. This was kind of my first experience having to really look at a bunch of people's work and then narrow it down to a, a pretty, pretty curated, pretty small collection based, um, you know, on all the pictures that I was sent. I had a lot of photographs to go through, but I would say another thing is it's, it's pretty intuitive. If a picture strikes you as something special, then chances are that it's going to strike someone else uh, in a similar way. And so I tried to at least initially be really kind of intuitive and just go with my gut. And then uh, from there, I did try to think a little bit about variety and making sure that we had um, photographs that not only came from different subjects, but that would appeal to different people. Because part of what you, you know, part of what happens when you look at a photograph is it's not just the photograph having an impact on you, but it's everything that, um, kind of form your own biases, your own opinions, your own personality that you bring to the photograph. So it's really two parts. And I tried to put myself not only in the shoes of the photographer, but in the in the shoes of our audience and tried to find a happy medium there where we had, you know, prints that um, would hopefully appeal to a wide range of people. Hmm. I, I asked you about this the other day and I was fascinated by your answer. I was trying to, uh, I was struggling to decide on what images to send you. And I, I said that there was a couple which I personally like, but I thought, why on earth would anybody want that on their wall? And you you, you kind of opened my mind as to n- not to think like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to the way that I said I approach this intuitively. And I, I encouraged, you weren't the only one to reach out with that that issue. You know, a lot of people were saying that they were struggling. And I just kind of encouraged them to... Um, to think about it differently. Stop thinking about, you know, what's going to look on some look good on somebody's wall or will someone actually want to buy this and put it in their home or their office? 
when it comes to a print, um, I think it's more about the emotional impact that it has when you see it. And if it resonates with you and, and you really are captivated by it, then you're not going to really think about how it's going to look on your wall. You just want to own that photograph. And uh, it just becomes another way of collecting something. And, you know, to me, it's, it's kind of how I've always thought about photography is that the print is the ultimate version of a photograph. You know, we make selects in Lightroom or you, you choose, you know, negatives that stand out on a contact sheet or whatever it might be. Um, and you accumulate a lot of those. But when you print a photograph, you're really saying like, this is one I want to keep and this is one that means something to me. So kind of going through the process of selecting prints forces the photographer and the editor to say, you know, which one of these is is really the right photograph. But yeah, I think I think it goes beyond what's on your wall and really boils down to, do you want to own that photograph? Tyler, just scanning through these here, I think one of the beautiful aspects about the selection that Tito's made here is that it it blends so beautifully with the mindset and, and ethos of what modern Huntsman is and has become. Uh, tell me about that in terms of, because uh, this, this image selection has been, obviously you have full trust in Tito, but you, at some point, like you said, you looked at it for the first time. That must have been quite striking to you that there'd been this kind of beautiful synergy of imagery, because like you said, some of these haven't appeared in Modern Huntsman, so it's not like it's even just pulling from a collection of images that you've already pre-selected and have been in print. Yeah. So I'd like to preface this to say that to qualify Tito, he's come on board with Modern Huntsman as a creative director as well. So he's helping not only curate the shop, but he's helping me and us, you know, really determine who we are and where we want to go and what we stand for and what we don't stand for. And I think that that's one of the things that's really exciting about this is as we're kind of defining, you know, a little bit more of what the path ahead looks like for Modern Huntsman and what we feel like we're good at. I feel like one of those main things that we keep coming back to is kind of the art of hunting right? Showcasing the art of, of being in the field. And that's something we're really going to lean into. And, and, and Tito can, can speak a little bit more about this, but, you know, we felt that there really isn't a space in hunting or the outdoor world that, that kind of finds that interesting crossover between, you know, field photography and, and hunting, fishing, ranching related work and the fine art world, right? Presenting it in an elevated manner, you know, potentially having gallery exhibitions, doing limited edition books and all that kind of stuff. So that's been really interesting to kind of play with that crossover. And, you know, I, I feel like there's been so many things we've wanted to do in the last two years that we just didn't have the time or resources to do. And so for Tito to come in and just smash this first one out of the park, which I feel like really elevated the the aesthetic uh, <laughs> of our website, you know, and I saw it and was like, holy shit. Okay. That's really, <laughs> that's really professional. And it just, yeah. I think it, it, it kind of gave us all a little bit of a spark to remind us that rather than just be sitting on hard drives for years and being backed up on Dropbox or whatever you're using for archives, that, that it can, your work can kind of have new life breathed into it. Uh, and, and then also, you know, that, that part of, and again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know that we would like to get to a point when people think of the modern Huntsman print shop as an elevated and respected collection of work. 
And I know that that's something that Tito really wants to work towards. So I think that uh, it's just a really interesting opportunity for us to expand beyond, you know, what we've been doing with the book and the podcast and all of that. Uh, and it's it's definitely created some inspiration. Tito, what? We talked about this a little bit on a call. Uh, I think it was last week when we were talking about the thought process of of images as a photographer i was i was actually picking your brain for advice there are lots of lovely images out there i mean instagram is is full of things which look pretty but what you're doing here is curating art where and and i know i realize that this is a very subjective question but what are you looking for and to make art rather than just pictures well yeah i mean it's it's subjective and I don't want to sound too artsy in my, in my response, but, um, it's okay. You can be artsy. It's all good. <laughs> this is a <laughs> well, safe look, space. We, we, we see a lot of images. I mean, God, we see more images today, you know, than most people in the past saw in an entire lifetime. And, true, uh, yeah, you know, we're totally inundated with it and there's a lot of really good photography out there. And then at the same time, there's a lot of very cliche imagery. And one of the, you know, pitfalls of Instagram is that uh, we're all looking at the same work. And that means that the influences are very similar. So it's very hard for each of us to go out and make, you know, a photograph that stands out among the other ones. And um, so I guess, you know, what I'm saying is that I'm looking for someone who brings something different to the table, not just for the sake of being different, but when I see a photograph that looks truly authentic, it's because that photograph is is really a representation of the photographer that took it. And I'm I'm not really interested in beautiful imagery um, at all. I used to be, but I'm much more interested, you know, when it comes to photography. But but not just photography. I mean, it could be music or literature or film or whatever. Uh, I'm I'm much more interested in emotional impact. I want to be gut punched by something I see. I want it to stop me in my tracks. And, uh, and so that's kind of my criteria for looking at this stuff. And look, it's, it's a huge privilege because the photographers that we, you know, went with in this first round submitted some unbelievable stuff. And we're talking about some very high level people that are really pushing the envelope, really doing some great work. And it makes my job easier. You know, Tyler says he looked at that thing and was blown away by how the print shop came together. Well, I can't take a whole lot of credibility because one, we had great photographers and two, we had an amazing designer and, and those two things really go a long way to making it look like what it is. But just in terms of, of what I'm looking for, you know, I want to feel something when I see a photograph and I don't just want to feel it with my eyes. I want to feel it with my heart. I think, I, I think that's beautifully put. That's beautifully put, Tito. I tell you what I, what I want to do is because, I, I mean, I feel, uh, I feel incredibly fortunate to have a couple of my images included in here. But what I'd like to do is go uh, just pick one or two. Tyler, you have a few images in here and, then, and obviously Tito as well. Uh, and just tell me a little bit about them. So I'm the, the riding the range, this, this beautiful uh, mirror image uh, with these horses riding across grass and water with mountains in the background where where did that come from i think if i'm not mistaken that's in your house isn't it 
yes. Uh, I, I think that's when I first saw that picture. Uh, well, the photograph, the physical photograph is in my house. That photo was not taken in my house. Let's, let's be clear there. <laughs> yes. Sorry, yes. <laughs> yes that, that would be quite the house. <laughs> yeah, that, that was in uh, just outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, a couple of years ago with Chris Douglas, who hopefully you can have on the podcast at some point, but absolutely, uh, we, you know, he had invited me to go down. He had a photo shoot for double RL, the, you know, clothing company. That's kind of an offshoot of Ralph Lauren. And it's this very picturesque historic ranch called diamond cross ranch. And uh, those are the Tetons, the grand Tetons in the background. And they were out that morning corralling all the horses so yeah it was it was a shoot they were doing but this was actual ranch work they needed to do and as they started to come in from the range i saw them start to uh you know come around the side of this lake and i sprinted probably 300 yards to get to the edge of this water because i saw the mist coming off of it and then you know sat for probably 30 seconds trying to catch my breath and and calm down so that I could get a still shot and just sat there waiting for them to cross into the frame and um it, it was it was perfect timing because not shortly not long you can see a dog in the photo kind of behind the last horse oh, and, yeah. and and shortly after that the dog went and started drinking the water which disturbed the reflection so it was just this perfect you know moment for about 10 seconds and then, you know, the sun kind of broke over the ridge, the, the, the fog lifted and the dog messed up the still water. So uh, it was worth the sprint for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Now, I'm going to ask you a slightly selfish question yeah. because this is so close to my home. And I was there when you took this image, the stags lying down in the Highlands. Yeah, that man, that is to me such a special image because that was my, was that my first trip to Scotland or that was the second trip to Scotland? I think that was the second one. I think that was the it, that was the trip where you went stalking as well. Yeah. So, but let's let's say it was my first quote real trip to Scotland, right? Where I got to experience what Scotland's about with the shitty weather and the stalking on the hill and there was a little bit of shooting and stuff like that. So, I just that was such an amazing day for me, you know, getting to speak with the gamekeepers and learn about deer management in Scotland, but then at the end of the day to find out that there was this collection of stags hanging out in this beautiful glen as we were leaving. I mean, it was literally, I, we had put our cameras away and it was just the perfect punctuation mark to the end of that day. And it just, when I look at that image, it just makes me feel, uh, it reminds me of all of those sights and sounds and smells and, and just, you know, I feel like I saw the spirit of Scotland that day. Yeah, and what um, what issue is what volume rather is that article in? That like, that was in volume three? three. Yeah, that was the wildlife management. Okay. Volume. Yeah. Okay. Um, another one more before before I move on and, and ask Tito yeah. uh, about a couple of his images is the the elephants. Uh, it's a black and white image. Yeah. Uh, Ru is it Ru Ruha River? Ruaha River. Yeah. Ru Ruaha. So, uh, and I know Tito can relate to this, but that is a probably one of the most sentimental images for me. That was my first trip to Tanzania. It was in 2006 when I graduated college and moved to the bush for, for almost six months. And that was the Ruaha River was the boundary between the Ruaha National Park and what was then called the Usangu Game Reserve, uh, which has now been conceded into the National Park. 
And um, yeah, it just, it was one of those things where we were in the game reserve and, you know, it's amazing how animals are aware of the boundary between areas where hunting is allowed and where they're not. And the far, the elephant in the far left of the picture was the dominant bull. He was kind of tuskless. He had lost his tusk, but he had bullet holes in his ears and he was super, super aggressive. He had been charging vehicles in the national park and they had radioed us and they had said, listen, if that bull charges you guys, take him out because he's been, you know, attacking vehicles and charging and harassing people and all of that. So I actually have all this video footage of that bull charging into the middle of the river and smashing his trunk on the water and trumpeting and making a huge scene, but he never crossed the center of the river. He knew that he was still in the (laughs) national park boundary. So it was kind of like this show, you know, this display of, of aggression, but within the boundaries of your own front yard kind of thing. And so I don't know that, that image to me is just really special because it, it, it was kind of my introduction to Africa. And, um, and, you know, I, I think that's a, just an image that, um, I don't know, to me represents the spirit for sure. Oh, stunning. stunning. I think I, I'm really, cause I didn't know the background of any of any of these. I'm not asking them just, just for the benefit sure. of the listeners. I genuinely want to know as well. I think this is something that we should do with all of the, I agree. uh, the photographers who are featured here and artists. Agreed. Um, Tito, the, one of the images, now I actually saw this in the flesh when we were in at uh, Dallas Safari Club and you, you showed a whole heap of prints um, to Tyler and I. This image from Ethiopia, it's a color film image and it's got this this beautiful texture and color to it. It's looking at the back of somebody's, uh, at their back and head. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a man from the Morsi tribe in southwest Ethiopia, kind of near the Omo Valley uh, in the border with South Sudan. And I shot that image that would have been about a year ago right now on a safari in Ethiopia. And um, we were kind of coming and going from camp every day. The rain had gotten so bad that we actually had to leave the vehicle about a mile away and then cross a river by... Um, kind of walking over this log that was really precariously balanced over a part of the river. And I had to do it with my pack on every day with all my camera equipment. So we'd cross the river and then we had to go through a riverine forest just to get to the vehicle. And I had crossed the the log one day and barely made it. I had almost fallen off and I caught myself. <laughs> I would have gone into the water with all my cameras. Um, and everybody, of course, is watching me, waiting for me to fall <laughs> in. But I made it across and it was just real, it was kind of really overcast. And I think a storm was just about to come on and the client was actually about to cross the river as well. So I, you know, as soon as I got off the log, I turned around and grabbed my camera and I was going to capture him coming across. And I saw this guy standing there and that image only came about because I had limited myself to basically one lens for, for that entire trip when it came to my stills and it was a one thirty-five, And you know, it's one of the reasons I like using a fixed lens because I never would have gotten that if I had a zoom on. It was just kind of, um, I had to move my feet maybe, I don't know, three or four feet to the left. And that was the frame that was presented. And I just, I took it and it was one of those images that as soon as I took it, I knew it was going to be one that I don't care if anybody else liked. I knew it was for me. I I was going to love that image. So I don't typically shoot a lot in color. Um, but when I do, you know, see a photograph in color that works really well, I, I gravitate towards it. I really 
that's probably my favorite color photograph I've ever I've ever made. It's yeah, it it blew me away when I I remember asking you to pause for a moment when you were flicking through the prints. <laughs> I mean, it blew me away when when I first saw it, and I'm so well, pleased thanks. to see it in this collection. Now the yeah. is it H- Hamar herders? Is that how you they're say the, it? They're the they're the Hamar tribe. Yeah, it is Hamar. Is yeah, is this the instance where camera. you nearly had a very close call? Uh, which one are you referring to? The two, um, you know, a close call involving guns. I don't know if it's this this image. I just know that it was there was goat herders involved. I remember you telling me a while ago. Yeah, it was those guys. Actually, uh, those are the ones that I had a pretty close call with. Um, again, you know, I had that one thirty five mil lens on, and I had I had seen them coming a long way down the Omo, along the Omo River, which was right in front of camp, and I had seen the dust from the from the goat herd. And it was midday. We weren't going to go out for three or four hours. And I just grabbed my camera and barefoot with a pair of shorts on and nothing else. And was walking from camp. And um, before I knew it, I was pretty far from camp. Actually, I was really a good ways, but I saw these guys. So I was taking photos of them and they kind of kept coming closer and closer. And it got to a point where I knew they weren't happy, but they were too close for me to kind of turn around and walk away from. So I had to let them come up to me. And I managed to get them to pose for a few portraits. Uh, they were two brothers. And, you know, I I know absolutely, probably, I don't know, my Amaric is like two words. So I couldn't really communicate <laughs> with them. But I got them to pose for a portrait. And after the, after the portrait, I showed it to them. And they stared at me and no words were said. And then uh, one of them grabbed the camera, which was on a strap on my shoulder, and I kind of pulled back and it was still on my shoulder and he started pulling pretty forcefully. And then the brother grabbed it and they were both pulling me. And I, this is probably the dumbest thing I've done in a long time. There's a lot of them, but I, <laughs> as an immediate reaction, I grabbed his gun that was on his shoulder. So he's holding Jeez. my strap and I'm holding his strap and we're just staring at each other in the eyes. And then they started pulling really hard and I started pulling hard. And then we kind of just froze there and uh, they let go and I let go. And I took about two or three more pictures of them. (laughs) And uh, I thought it might not be the best time to turn my back on them. So I just stood there with a dumb look on my face, wondering if, uh, you know, this was how I was going to go out barefoot and shirtless in Ethiopia. But (laughs) no, they uh, kind of just, I guess, were uh, equally as dumbfounded. And they they turned around and kind of wandered off and I was able to shoot a few more. But um yeah, that was like my fourth day in Ethiopia. Wasn't so. it? Wasn't it an AK forty seven? Yeah, they were both. They were both carrying AK forty sevens. They had tons of ammo strapped on, which the the Hamar people are, you know, very well known for. They, um, they still, you know, raid neighboring tribes and livestock. You know, thievery is still a big deal. So that's more what it's for. I, I don't think that I was in any real danger, but nonetheless, it was kind of one of those things that you look back on and you're like, well, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. I, I find that when I've been in uh, you know very remote rural places with, with people who don't see a lot of um, sort of outside interactions, especially from the Western world, it's amazing. I'm always amazed like how happy they are to to communicate in however we can communicate, which is normally with hand signals because I can't speak the language, and have photos taken and just like you do, very, you're very often. It's they love having. It's amazing how many people love having their portrait taken, and then you can show it to them. You know, even if you can't actually speak their language, this sort of uh, conversation through images I find is is a beautiful bridge. 
Um, well, but every now and then, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't go, it doesn't go quite right. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm glad that you bring that up because, you know, I guess early on in my photography, it's more of a spectacle thing. Like you, you want to go take pictures of, you know, these exotic tribes and these exotic locations because of the wow factor. But I mean, I've been working in Africa for over 12 years now and, um, it's it's way beyond a spectacle to me it's a very deep appreciation and a deep respect for these these various tribes and um when i take a photograph of a person like that it's not not to make a spectacle of them or to use their image as some um i don't know means of commercialization when i get back home it's it's like you say it's kind of it's my way of going and understanding you know, what's happening there, who these people are. And then I can show them that image and it becomes a dialogue between, you know, two, two different people who really have no other way to communicate. And I would say 99 times out of a hundred, when I show them the image, the reaction on their face is priceless. And it does show that it's not just a one-way exchange, that there's mutual benefit for everybody there. So I, I try not to, uh, I try not to just take, you know, I try to give something back because all those images that, you know, I quote unquote take, they're, they're actually given to you. The people present themselves and allow themselves to be photographed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very delicate, it's a very delicate line to tread as a photographer because it can sometimes seem, you know, without having a conversation like we've just had, it can from the outside seem exploitative in in yeah, some respect. Yeah, that's a good and, word. That's what and, I and, and, and I, you know, some people do. There is no doubt. There are, there are some people who quite literally go and exploit these situations for their own benefits. Uh, and I suppose that goes to almost ethical photography. I mean, that's that would be a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I don't pretend to have the answers. I just, I, I just make it a, a point to really try to be respectful when I do that. And, um, <laughs> those guys even though we had a little bit of an altercation you know they were still i could see the look on their face when they saw their portrait and um you know I think yeah maybe still, they, maybe they just wanted to take the portrait home with them that's why they tried to take the camera yeah yeah no i think they knew exactly how much that camera was worth probably more than me but you know you got to realize these guys they don't see images of themselves hardly ever and we're so used to being able to see pictures of ourselves um, that the novelty kind of wears off. But imagine if you didn't have mirrors or you didn't have cameras and you never really saw yourself. I mean, that's got to be an incredible feeling to see your image reflected back at you. Yeah, it would be. I, and as you thought about that, we're so used to it from as our earliest memories, we're used to looking at our reflection you know, in a crystal clear form, either through uh, mirrors or, or imagery. Yeah. Uh, now the last uh, last photo that I want to ask you about. Uh, we could go through all of them, but um, people can go and enjoy them for themselves. And if uh, maybe we can we can do this again once more images go up. The Ethiopian cloud forest. It's another color image of yours. It's a very dark image, and it just it's enchanting. Well, thanks. Yeah, the Ethiopia was you know a place that is just it's about as picturesque as anywhere i've ever been um and i i typically shoot a lot of black and white and i found myself shooting more color there especially in the cloud forest because just like the name implies i mean it's almost this mythical place there's a lot of you know moss that hangs off this really kind of dense canopy but it's a low canopy forest it's not high canopy like you would picture in a rainforest um and so 
I don't know, a lot of people have said it has this Lord of the Rings look to it. And it really is an incredible, incredible place. I mean, if you're there, you wouldn't ever think you were in Africa. Um, it's just totally unlike anywhere else I've ever been on the continent. And so I just found myself, I don't know, wanting to shoot more color because there was an unbelievable green in the forest itself. And then that day it had been raining a lot and we did, we came out on a ridge early in the morning and when the rain cleared, you know, we were kind of looking down on the forest and the sun was coming up and it was reflecting off of the fog that was hanging over the forest canopy. And um, again, same lens, you know, that's, all, that's actually quite a long lens photograph. I, I snapped that. I didn't really think anything of it until actually a few months later. It didn't catch my eye in the first round of editing. So, um, but it's still, it's one of my favorite photographs. Hmm. Uh, Tyler, just to tie this into the conversation that we put out on the podcast a week ago, uh, the print shop is part of the or some of the funding from the that's going to be generated from the print shop is part of the your initiatives that you launched. Yeah, so it's a double edged sword because obviously there's a uh, a revenue share with photographers, right? In the, in the same way that a lot of galleries, you know, share sales with photographers. So every photographer who participates in the print shop is benefiting from the sale. But independent from that, yes, anything we are selling right now, whether that's prints, uh, subscriptions, books, you know, we're, we're rolling out a couple of new products in the in the coming weeks. 10% uh, of that is going to support the medical mask making with Mystery Ranch. And then the other 10% is going towards the funds for freelancers. And you know, we're, we're still working on the details of, of how people can apply for those freelancer funds and, and how we're going to allocate that. But we're hoping, I don't know, by next week that we're going to have a little more information about participation and what that looks like. But yeah, so obviously it, it all goes to a good cause, supporting independent artists and, and helping, you know, create some relief during this, this pandemic fiasco. And so, you know, if you were ever on the fence, you know, you had a, we've all have empty walls in our house. It'd be like, oh, you know, it'd be nice if we, you know, made that look like, uh, you know, an interior decorator came in here or, or <laughs> had a fine art print or something like that. Then uh, this seems like a pretty good time now that we're all stuck at home. And, and then, you know, the added benefit of, of helping some relief efforts helps too. Fantastic. Well, Jens, is, is there anything else you want to add about um, add to this before we bring this conversation to a close? I'm good. Tito, do you have anything? No, I mean, I was just going to kind of follow up on you. I mean, saying it's a good time to, to get something on the wall. I mean, I think when you buy a print, um, you're making a pretty loud statement that, you know, this is, this is something I want to own. And it really does go beyond just... Um, just decorating. I think it's really important that, at least for me, I've found when it comes to, to buying prints, it kind of starts slowly. You know, you ask yourself, do you really want to spend that much money on a print? But I've been collecting prints for a long time now from various photographers, and it kind of becomes this addiction. And once you start it, um, it kind of keeps going. And basically, what you're saying is that, you know, you're surrounding yourself with these things that have a really deep impact on you. And when you walk by that print every day and you see that it reminds you um, of the reason you bought it. It reminds you of something bigger that's out there. So right now, while we're all stuck at home to have something that constantly reminds you of the, the natural world or the bigger world that's waiting out there for you when all this is over, I think it's, 
it's really incredible. You know, I love having the prints exist in the book form. That's amazing because you can pick it up and you can you can go through it at any time. Um, but those prints live inside the book, and when you put it back, you know they're in there. And when you put it on the wall, it's different because you see it all the time. So if you're just getting into collecting prints or you're just starting to think about it, you know I encourage you to to start small, buy a small one, have it framed, put it up on the wall, and see what a difference it makes. Because I promise you, it will have an impact on your life and. Uh, it'll make a big difference in your daily surroundings. I think with the birds singing in the background, as you <laughs> brought that to a close, I couldn't think of a better way to finish. I know. <laughs> so Tyler, Tito, thank you so much for joining me today. It's It's been a fantastic conversation. And I think people are, I would hope by the time we they get to the end of this uh, podcast, they'll already be bringing up the Modern Huntsman print shop uh, in their in their browser, even if it's just out of curiosity to see what's what's there and, and what's being curated because it's it's inspiring. I, I think it, tr- it truly is. There's, there's some amazing photographers on there. Uh, so thanks very much for your time, guys, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Byron. Thanks, Byron. Thanks very much for joining us. Listen in next time when we take a walk once again into the wilderness. <laughs>